You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Lauren Rimsbecker, BHC Senior Director of Member Engagement and Communications. Hello, I'm Lauren Rumsbecker, and welcome back to the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. From the time that we are young, we are taught that washing our hands is one of the best ways to prevent the spread of germs. But this simple act is not always executed as frequently as desired, even in healthcare settings where patient safety may be at risk. In fact, studies show that on average, healthcare providers wash their hands less than half of the times that they should. And this lapse in in hygiene is estimated to contribute to healthcare-associated infections that impact one in every 31 patients on a given day. On today's episode, we highlight the efforts of Mercy Health System to deploy a new technology to monitor and improve hand washing among healthcare providers. Here to share their journey and initial results are Katherine Nelson, System Chief Quality Officer, and Dr. Keith Starkey, Senior Vice President and Ex Officio Chief Clinical Officer. Katherine and Keith, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. So let's go ahead and dive into the questions for today. I'd love to start by understanding what prompted Mercy's decision to install this new technology, which is an electronic hand hygiene monitoring system. We actually began the journey a number, fair number of years ago, first with a um, non-electronic solution. Um, and as you stated before, healthcare associated infections are such a common challenge that we, that we are faced with. And we know that with uh, proper hand hygiene and hand washing, it does have a dramatic uh, impact and can lower HAIs or healthcare associated infections by between 45 to 60%. When you have a significant percentage of your team that are doing this uh, uh, compliantly and doing it well. Um, In our fiscal year 16, we actually started using the Joint Commission's targeted tool solutions, which um, really entailed using an uh, anonymous auditing of um, hand hygiene. We utilized that based on the experience of other health systems who, who would see a three times improvement um, when there were observers, um, anonymous observers, that were able to provide feedback and um, demonstrate, uh, when necessary, the proper techniques of hand hygiene. What we found was we did see a significant improvement in our measured, observed compliance with hand hygiene. We were measuring approximately 3,000. We had approximately 3,000 observations a month in Mercy, and but recognized. It wasn't 24-7, it wasn't necessarily seven days a week. And so recognizing that we really had um, significant opportunity and frankly that the cost of this manual system um, was significant, we we began then really in 2018 starting to look at other potential electronic solutions that were being developed um, with, with the improved technologies that, um, that are available to us. And I'm sure as with many technologies that comes with a, a higher expense. Uh, so can you elaborate on how your leadership team justified that investment? Sure. 
And to your point, any type of expense like this, it can be very difficult to um, translate into the true benefit to the organization. Um, I mentioned that the number of hours that um, Mercy was um, currently uh, employing its coworkers, and when that was actually done on the basis that we were anticipating, it was almost 200,000 hours per year. And so that translated into a cost to the organization of about $5 million. Now, those are coworkers who did other jobs, and so sometimes it's very hard to pull out the specific cost. But we certainly know that from looking at it from that cost perspective, it was significant. In addition, it's an extra bur- it was an extra burden for our workforce. It really did take some time and effort. And when we were challenged, to, especially today, to have enough coworkers to staff our facilities, it, be- it really became a compelling reason to, to, to look outside and look at what some of the potential um, solutions were. When we did, you mentioned the number of HAIs that occur in our healthcare systems, anywhere between one to 25 and to one to 30. And when we measure the impact of uh, those infections and actually measured the number of infections we were experiencing and the cost to treat them, that number came up to between 11 and $12 million all across Mercy's footprint. Now, realizing that we have facilities that extend into Oklahoma City, down into Arkansas, Southwest Missouri, et cetera. So it, it, it is a, um, it's a large enough system that that, that that really is a dramatic cost to our health system. And just as it, and more importantly, the cost that it had to our patients who ended up with, uh, would end up with complications, prolonged hospital stays, and some unmeasured uh, consequences from uh, having a, a healthcare associated infection. The data that we looked at from vendors around the success in other organizations when employing an electronic automated system um, was a reduction in HAIs of up to 66%. So even if we would factor in that maybe we would attain 40 to 50%, that still does translate into um, a significant dollar amount of somewhere in the range of five to $6 million. So, in looking at the cost of installation and the automation of the system, estimates were in the range of between a million and a half to two, uh, $2 million a year. So obviously significant benefit from an ROI perspective when we really looked at all of the factors that went into the actual cost, the actual cost that it had to our system. And I, we were able to present a compelling enough argument around that particular uh, dollar amount that we, that we were able to convince senior leadership to make the investment. Really appreciate you sharing that detail. I think very helpful as other uh, healthcare operations sort of consider the benefit of these tools. Um, and maybe for those audience members that aren't quite as familiar with the technology, can you share a little bit more about how this type of uh, hand hygiene system works? Sure. So. In each of our rooms, uh, we would there would be sensors that would be right where the either the sink for hand washing and or hand sanitizing dispensers would have a, a sensor there, so that when a coworker walked in the room and their badge actually carried the other sensor to say that they were in the room, that information then was 
picked up by um, the electronic sensor uh, to wirelessly record the event. If someone did not utilize the hand sanitizer in a timely fashion that was determined by the vendor and by Mercy to, to come up with what was going to be the right time, um, there would be a, a very soft voice reminder through a, the badge of the coworker that would remind them to wash their hands. And it was, it was fascinating to see some of the impact that it had uh, when we started off with, with our trials. Um, so we, we did run a pilot that actually was part of the performa for our senior leaders to demonstrate um, the effectiveness. And to your, the point you made earlier, our compliance with hand hygiene measured electronically on our pilot units was really in the range of 29 to 30, low 30 percent. So that was in a system where we were already using a system that was manual um, that would record much higher levels. But the electronic system, uh, much more fail-safe, uh, was really able to tell us more specifically that it was we really were in that lower range. And with activation or turning on um, the voices, uh, the voice reminder, um, some of our units were able to fairly quickly to get up into the 70 to 80% range. And our NICU actually had an outstanding result getting up to greater than 90% compliance with hand hygiene. So the, the technology really did make a difference and continues to make a difference. And particularly when we are able to utilize some of the technology to, and analytics associated with the technology, which Kat will be explaining uh, shortly, really did provide us with a tool that is, we believe, is, is groundbreaking. It really sounds to me, and some of those just initial results are, are absolutely incredible. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about Mercy's reach earlier into several different regions across the country. Uh, wondering how many hospitals you chose to install this system in total. Yeah, so Mercy has um, many hospitals. We have critical access hospitals, but we started with our acute care hospitals. So 12 acute care hospitals across our region and only in the inpatient units. So when you think about the way the technology works with walking into a room, you, you really need to have a room. So if you think about our EDs don't always have, you know, physical rooms and our ORs and our PACUs. So we stepped we kept those areas as sort of phase two to think about how would we use the technology in those areas. And it's really in our inpatient setting. So like Keith mentioned, the NICU and our ICUs, our med surge areas um, across our facility. So 12, 12 acute care hospitals. And that ranges from the smallest hospital that has 55 beds and three inpatient units to our biggest hospital, which is over 900 beds with 26 units. And if you think about the number of opportunities for hand hygiene, so um, that that 55-bed hospital with three inpatient units from January 1st had just over 81,000 opportunities. But if you think about our largest hospital with the 26 units, they've had almost 3 million opportunities since January 1st. So across Mercy then, that was 141 inpatient units that we've installed the technology in. And since January 1st then, We've had um, over 11 and a half million hand hygiene opportunities across that 141 inpatient units. 
Wow, that's quite expansive. And uh, I really appreciate that you all sort of started with the pilot and then transitioned into additional um, areas in, in other hospitals. Uh, just to clarify, and I think you've mentioned this a few times, but when exactly did the system go into place and, and how long have you been measuring those results? You know, we started very, uh, very much on a timeline to get it all installed across all of the units in one year. And we started just before COVID um, impacted our, our country. So our timeline got disrupted a little bit. So we um, had some of the hospitals in early, in early 2020. And then we just finished our last hospitals in the fall of 2021. So it really did take us much longer because of COVID, both the vendor being able to come into our facilities because of COVID and then the supply chain issues with COVID, et cetera. So we got delayed in our implementation. We had great plans to, to do it all in one year, but that took us a little bit longer due to the pandemic. And I, I'm sure, you know, COVID was maybe just one of, of several challenges that you experienced as is any system would with any type of new operation. Uh, so just curious if you could elaborate on some of the other barriers that you faced as you undertook implementation. So I think a couple of things with a, a system like this, it, it sounds very easy when we explain it, you know, sensors on our, our soap dispensers and, in our, and on our alcohol gel dispensers and the coworkers wear a badge reel and they walk in the room and then it knows. So it sounds very easy, but there's, there's just a lot of technology plus workflow decisions that you have to make. So just, you know, be prepared for that. Everything from Keith talked about um, how many seconds does the coworker have to do their hand hygiene? You know, is it 30 seconds? Do we give them a minute? What about in an isolation room where they have to don their PPE? What about the COVID rooms where they're really donning, you know, more PPE, et cetera? So we have to make all these decisions. Plus the spatial um, layout of the rooms matter. So where you place the sensors because it's picking up motion and no hospitals rooms are all built the same across every single facility. So just lots of decisions that you have to make that you sort of don't expect maybe when you start it out. Um, and then also, you know, everybody, it takes a village, so everyone gets involved. So for example, maintenance has to now change batteries. So we have to have batteries that you, you know, they're rechargeable, but you have to get them recharged and replace them. So they're, and if you think about sensors across 141 units, maintenance is doing a lot of battery changes. So there's new work, you know, new work in their world to change batteries of a hand hygiene system that's really for safety. So just lots of decisions you have to make that you probably maybe don't expect to make. We had some, you know, there's some cultural barriers. So for example, even the size of the badge reel is, and, and people like their own personal badge reels and they like to bedazzle their badge reel, et cetera. So now we say, no, this is the badge reel you, you must wear and what size is it? And what about the one I really like? And can I wear that one then in my pocket? So you have to sort of make all these kind of dress code decisions related to the badge reel. And then we had some difficulty getting badges because of supply chain issues. So, there are probably more decisions than we actually expected, even though we did do the small trials. When you go across multiple hospitals in 141 units, there were, there were a lot more decisions we had to make. 
And then the other thing I'd just say in general that's probably a barrier, maybe a lesson learned, is that idea about culturally this idea of, well, gosh, is it now big brother who's watching me because I have a badge on for the clinicians and the coworkers. So I have a badge on as this big brother. There's a voice going off in the room. What does the patient think about the voices that go off in the room? So you kind of have this cultural patient safety, you know, persuasion that you're making to say it, it is really kind of worth it for those, you know, coworkers to have this new new thing that is measuring their every move kind of when it relates to hand hygiene. Now, one thing I would say about the patient, they, they embrace the voice. The, it's a very soft voice and it doesn't, they're not seeing it as an interruption. They actually appreciate it. So, so far, the patients and the families have been very, you know, pleased about the voices. I think our coworkers have had to kind of get used to that oversight related to their, their hand hygiene compliance. So many important points to consider and I really appreciate your willingness to, to share those lessons learned. Do you have other advice for other health systems that may be looking at a similar uh, technology, uh, wanting to deploy that maybe in the future? Yeah, so, you know, some of those decisions that you have to make up front related to, you know, even who's going to be badged, because when you look at our data, and we have millions and millions of opportunities, if you think about the workforce, nursing and the nursing technicians are the biggest workforce, so they're really, the they're kind of the biggest group in the denominator, so it, it almost feels like, hey, wait, what about, what about the physicians? What about EVS? You know, the people that clean the rooms, what about food service, what about radiology, what about PTOT, what about respiratory, and their workflows are all different, so you have to understand the workflows of the different coworkers and say everybody's in, so if you're going in an inpatient room, you're going to be badged, and so what does that workflow look like, and just a couple of examples of that, so if you think about radiology, we've had some inpatient radiology, they take the x-ray machine into the room, but then they step out of the room to protect themselves from radiation as they're shooting the film. Well, they may do that five times. And so is that five opportunities for hand hygiene and how does that reflect in their data? So these workflow, it isn't as straightforward as it sounds when you think about, you know, someone, a clinician just walking in the room there are workflow issues related to the various types of coworkers and and really thinking those through probably before it goes live is is a good um, and and doing that groundwork about what's coming is I think part of that that lesson learned because I think the number of decisions we had to make once we were putting the system in place probably surprised us a little bit. Well, and I think, again, that's uh, that, that reality of uh, trying something new and, and maybe taking a risk um, in the name of patient safety. Um, I think it's been important to see uh, for you all just some of the initial results that have come through. I'm curious how that data is looking now that you've collected it a little bit longer. Uh, and then what's next as you look to optimize this technology in the future? Yeah, so, you know, at first, with that year implementation, we really did um, have goals to see our our hospital-associated infections reduce, which is still our goal, but our timeline got pushed back a little bit because that really is the ultimate. You know, at first, you do want to see your hand hygiene compliance go increase because you know the result of that is going to be 
hospital-acquired infection reduction. With COVID, it kind of, you know, confounded the issues a little bit related to the hospital-associated infections. But what we've seen, so we started January 1st in really saying our compliance, everybody, Mercy has a goal to say every single coworker and unit needs to be above 80%. So they're working very strongly to get there. And in on January 1, across Mercy, we were at about baseline of 61%. And as of today, I can tell you we're at 82%. And the software that supports a system like this is extremely robust. So I can get today's data and all the opportunities that happened overnight so we can see that data in real time at the coworker level. And it drills all the way down to who's wearing their badge and not wearing their badge, et cetera. So we have a really good sense of that rate. And, and we're today at 82%. So we're very proud of that across, again, like I said, 11 and a half million opportunities. And then what's next? I think a couple things. One of them is really to see our hospital-associated infection reduction go along with that hand hygiene improvement. And so as we move into the summertime to start tracking those side-by-side, -side, uh, we already are seeing some preliminary results with especially C. diff seeing that reduction, but expect to see it across really all of those hospital-associated infections, and that's really the next, the next piece. And then I'd say the other piece is, is to sustain the game. So it's going to be with us now. So it's not like it's just being turned off again. You know, it's going to live with us now as part of our life. And so how do we, what is the right goal? Because we know there is noise in the system because of the way people do their work. There's noise in that system. So what's the right goal? 100% would never be the right goal because there are just, you know, there are just ways that there are, doing their hand hygiene maybe down the hall and walking down the hall and the system isn't picking that up. So we know there's some noise in it. So what's the right goal? And then I'd say these sort of non-traditional inpatient areas, then how does the technology work in those areas where the, the boundaries of the room aren't quite as defined? Just to add to a comment around, uh, as Kat was describing the analytics, and to, to the point she made, we can get very granular and look at performance down to the individual level, but it becomes real extremely important that from a culture perspective that we do this as a learning, that this is not, this is not something that becomes a punitive exercise. And so teams have done a really good job of trying to make this fun by having different games, awards, et cetera, for the best performing units. And again, it really goes to us. We have to be sure that our coworkers do not feel like it is big brother. Now, having said that, it also though does allow us, there are always going to be, um, I, I, I fear some folks who just don't want to comply. And it does allow for that, that conversation with a leader to create accountability of this is the right safe behavior. I think that's such an important piece and how this is communicated, how you engage coworkers. Uh, and as we see technology like this continue to ramp up, uh, moving into future years, uh, I think it's gonna become only more common uh, for us to be leveraging this uh, in the name of you know, improving healthcare and patient safety overall. Um, I think I can speak for the BHC and our employer members in, in applauding Mercy for making such a significant investment like this. Um, we are so grateful to have your example in our local community and nationally as we seek to improve healthcare quality for all. 
And as we close today's episode, I just wanted to see if either of you had any uh, closing comments that you'd like to leave with our audience. You know, it really is about this idea of coaching on safe behaviors and having the expectation around safe behaviors and that this is a safety practice. And we're going to help you work with the technology to, you know, measure it accurately, but it really is a safety expectation for the patient and, and sort of not have it be seen as punitive. But, but seen as this is really protecting our patients from harm. And I think as we keep that, if we can keep the spirit of why we have the system in place, that, that really does help the, the buy-in about, you know, wearing my badge and, and kind of complying with the way the, the system's structured. And I think I would just add that one of the things in the patient safety world we know is that human behaviors drift et cetera, all are problematic uh, or can be problematic to delivering optimal care. And so solutions that help us as, as humans to do the right thing each and every time become really important to prevent drift and other changes in, in the behavior. And so the cat's point, helping to ensure that we do have the safe behaviors being done each and every time becomes the goal. Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.